0: Are really uh, pleased to have uh, as a guest at the International Ocean Film Festival Galen Rosenwax, who is the uh, director I guess and producer of a great film that was uh, at the International Ocean Film Festival uh, yesterday corals uh, glimmer of hope I believe is the film and uh, what a fantastic uh, bit of work and thank you very much
1: for joining us on the American Shoreline podcast it's really great to have you here Galen. And uh, let's start off and tell us a little bit about the inspiration for your film.
2: Well, I was approached by the team of scientists who are in the film, uh, Dusty Kemp from University of Alabama, Birmingham, Todd Legendas from Penn State, and um, another group of scientists from University of Delaware um, about this project a a few years ago. Um, and I was like, count me in. Like, What can I do to help you? They really wanted to share their message. So as they were writing their grant and going through their process, we started talking about the story that we wanted to tell. And it sort of came together in a big way um, to make this short film highlighting their work, which is a positive climate change story. You know,
1: It really is. I mean, that's one of the things, Peter, that struck me was the tone of this story. I mean, we have all seen, I think every member of our audience has seen a uh footage of a bleached out coral reef and just the the havoc that has been uh done to reefs around the world and this is a very different story you've you've it seems like you've discovered a new type of of reef system really would you agree with that?
2: Um, well, I don't know if i go quite that far, uh-huh. um, but what they've really done is identified the symbiotic algae that lives within a coral, because corals are animals, obviously. And they have a very close relationship with this symbiotic algae. Almost every coral has it. Certainly every reef-building coral has some type of this algae. And what they've done is really identified this algae that is thermally tolerant. So it's not bleaching in situations where other corals would bleach.
0: Now, for the benefit of the listeners out there who did not get a chance to see this film, uh, first of all, is it available somewhere for our listeners to, can you go online and find it?
2: It will be available on YouTube. It um, will. Very shortly.
0: Okay. And it is, it is Coral Glimmer of Hope. Yes. Is the title. And uh, it's a, it's worth finding because what you haven't said yet is that this was shot in Palau which has got to be one of the most beautiful parts of the planet and the coral system there is stunning and so tell us how you tell us about Palau and working in Palau to do this film.
2: Well, Palau is absolutely incredible. It's like no other place I've been to on Earth. I mean, there's these rock islands that are just amazingly beautiful with the perfect crystal clear turquoise water. And then you've yeah. got these lush green, you know, forested rocks, basically. And then you've got the beautiful pristine offshore reefs that are just, you know, insanely beautiful. The biodiversity, the health of the corals and the health of the reefs is also striking. Lots of big predators in the offshore reefs, lots of sharks and... Um, really incredibly beautiful systems. And there's the two unique systems. There's the inshore corals that you find around these rock islands with these warmer waters. And then you've got the offshore reefs that we think of typically.
0: And that difference, the habitat difference with the shallow, hotter reefs and the deeper uh, reefs but are similar in species is really what this, I mean, this is, you are a scientist, first of all. I think the listeners should know you have your master's in marine biology Uh, from the Great School of Duke University, uh, and have been a practicing marine biologist. So as a filmmaker and a biologist, I think that that what I loved about the film was it really did tell the story of what the scientific investigation was, and I could track the experimental uh, approach that they used. It was very, very well done. But as a scientist, um, what was it? like for you to, as a film to be behind the camera as opposed to over with the Petri dishes and all of the stuff where they, you know, doing the step.
2: Yeah, well, first, thank you. I'm glad that you enjoyed the film. I'm glad that it came through that way. Um, certainly as a scientist, I think telling these stories of really complicated and complex science, um, is really fun for me to sort of bring to a level that everybody can understand. So we're taking these questions and this sophisticated science and really boiling it down to what are we really asking at the end of the day and what are we want to say? And a little bit about experimental design, I think, is always great. I also really seek to inspire kids, and I want people and kids to know about what field work is, so not just about um, telling about the science, but I certainly want to inspire people to want to do science and show that it's cool, show we go to really neat places, show we can ask really complicated questions and answer them in, you know, really interesting ways.
0: It came across 100% successfully, I thought, and the result of it, and I think what what is the basis of the hope in the film was the discovery of these very heat tolerant uh, symbiotic al- algae that live in these corals so in other words it as the temperatures rise you guys were able to identify species of coral and of of the symbiotic algae that are resistant to temperature changes a little bit and perhaps these algae can't these resident algae can uh, move into other species or in other habitats? Was that sort of what I gathered?
2: Well, I think that the hope is that um, these. T- Algaes may eventually go offshore if the temperatures offshore rise significantly, but right now we don't know that that's going to happen. We certainly don't know that there's a silver bullet, but understanding the molecular mechanism by which these relationship symbiosis works is really the bottom line to this research and seeing then how it can be applied. But certainly I think the exciting part is, for me, knowing that these incredibly diverse inshore environments will most likely survive with warmer and warmer waters. and you're seeing some of the same species across the inshore and offshore reefs, which is what is in their experiments.
1: I think that's really cool. So your film did a number of things for me that I just think are awesome. So this scientific uh, just realm of discovery, the the symbiotic, symbiotic relationship between these uh, what algae um, and the coral, uh, the warmer, all very fascinating. But it's an adventure film, too. I mean... Uh, the, the way you shot this movie was beautiful. Um, the underwater photography was amazing. It's not easy to shoot underwater. Um, the the photography from the boat was really great. It's not easy to shoot on a boat. So tell us a little bit about the, your film craft, making like telling this story as a scientist, but you're also making a film that needs to be Go down easy. You know you're talking about symbiotic algae. I mean, you did it's beautiful. It's beautiful. When it's available on YouTube, everybody needs to go watch this. It's it's a it's a pleasure to see.
2: Well, thank you. Um, I certainly worked really hard to try to do exactly those things. So I really appreciate that. I think that at the end of the day, I'm an explorer at heart. And when I get to go to these amazing places, I want to bring back that beauty. I want to inspire people to know about these places. So I want people to see it through my eyes as I was going through these rock islands the first time, as I was diving in these reefs the first time. And as a scientist, I think I always look at the world in sort of that inquisitive way. And hopefully it sounds like it did translate into the footage. I think as the filmmaker, you it's did. always hard to tell whether or not.
1: Can I follow up on that? Yeah. So when you're out there, I mean, filming, making a movie is a lot of work. And of course, uh, you're shooting Verite out there. You're not, you don't know the the film before you, you the experience. You So how do you balance being an explorer and being in the moment with taking these, you know, getting the footage and uh, sitting the scientists down for interviews? How do you balance the time out?
2: It's quite challenging, to be totally honest with you. And I think that, you know, I went into this thinking that I had a very clear storyboard and basically I got there and it got completely thrown away. (laughs) And that's what tends to happen with exploration and exploration.
1: Interesting that you went in with one, though. I find that interesting.
2: Well, I always have a shot list. I'm meticulously organized. I know what I want. Um, and I certainly I did fulfill quite a few of those shots that I knew I wanted, especially in like sort of the B-roll footage that I was shooting, you know, so the, the you know, the scenes through the islands, certain reef pictures. I certainly wanted mm. pictures of clownfish and anemones and things like that. They're sort of like easy boxes to check off when you're in a place like Palau. But I think in terms of, you know, getting everything you kind of just have to be everywhere that you can be you know I I shot and did this entirely on my own working with the scientists so I was a one-man team in the field and I think that because of that you know you just kind of never turn off you're kind of always just in the moment you've got your video camera there for certain shots you're gonna I'm gonna set up a tripod so that you know I can capture it in a better way or I'll be on another side and then certainly if we're all getting in the water, it's challenging and try You know, you don't want to inhibit the science either. And I think that was sort of the biggest challenge for me. You can't
1: tell them like, whoa, 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 I got to swap out a battery. Stop doing the science. Well, or do you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I try not to do that. I certainly think that sometimes it does have the to happen. The shot's
1: too good. You, <laughs> you don't, know, got, I like, got to get that battery in there.
2: <laughs> like you have to, you know, you, sometimes you just need to, like, slow them down a bit. Because especially because they've been doing this work, I came in sort of mid-project. So they were very much, you know, on a pace of getting the work done. And I list, I just told them, like, listen, we have to get these shots if we want to make the film that we need. And they were very cooperative and amazing to work with in that way. And so, you know, just certain things like letting me get in the water first so that I could, like, shoot them getting in the water. Like little stock things like that that you know you want. And in terms of filming the science, fortunately, a lot of it was replicated enough so that, you know, Mm -hmm. I would shoot it from one angle and then we would do it again. Um, and not really changing what they were doing, certainly not staging anything at all, but just saying, okay, you're cut. You're you know making your tiles now, or you're doing this, or you're collecting, and then you're going to do it again tomorrow, and I'd like to shoot it this other way. So it's just a conversation to have with the scientists, and I think being a scientist, I sort of look at the science in a different way as well. Um, and I can understand the challenges that they're facing. And so I don't want to inhibit it, but I also really want to make sure that it's shown in the way that they're doing it.
0: Totally. And, and I wanted to, to reiterate, I think what well, I, the, the question I have is, what do you think was the fundamental message or what was the fundamental storyline that you were hoping to communicate to the general public um, in, the, in the film?
2: I think that I was trying to sort of inspire a little bit of hope in this world of gloom and doom. We're only telling stories in general about the gloom and doom of climate change. We're saying all of these terrible things are gonna happen. But in reality, if we think all of these terrible things are happening and the world is going, you know, to hell in a handbasket, then why would anybody care right to do anything or change their lifestyle or change their habits or engage in any sort of conservation measures got it so i wanted to tell a story where like there's actually good things happening right we know that like we're going to lose corals. We've certainly lost a lot of corals, but maybe we won't lose all of them. And now these scientists mm-hmm. are working really hard to understand this. And it's an amazing discovery of something that's not so crazy gloom and doom. It's certainly right. you know not a silver bullet by any means, but it is definitely a positive story.
0: Well, you know, it was it raises the other question that I had uh, as, a, as a person who's done an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree in science and was a practicing marine scientist and worked on projects and expeditions and research for years. Uh, there's a point where you go from being in that realm of scientific investigation into the world of communicating to the public and trying to help them understand something. Can you tell us about when that switch happened and how did that happen for you uh, personally and professionally
2: yeah absolutely um i was in graduate school at the time and i was sort of in a, my phd program and i was looking around and i was looking at i was studying a fish that was really declining in numbers and it was getting a little depressing i was looking at all the scientists around me doing this incredible work and it wasn't that my work wasn't and it was great and inspiring But I said, I want to have a bigger impact. And I've always loved to tell stories. I've always loved to write. I've always loved to be creative. So I wanted to sort of merge my passion for storytelling with my passion for conservation and having an impact. I was like, all these people can do all of this, but now I want to tell their stories. We're hearing all this gloom and doom. We're hearing all of these big questions in the media. People don't know the answers. So what can I do to say, well, science is working really hard to understand this. And I want to tell you how.
1: Yeah.
0: Essential. I, I'm 100% for that. It's kind
1: of what we're doing with the American Shoreline Podcast yeah. Network. I mean, so really, we went from uh, doing funding consulting and grant consulting and that kind of thing for uh, rebuilding shorelines and beaches and dune systems. And But, you know, there's projects all along the coast and all these people are working on them diligently, doing great work, you know, mostly. But there we wanted to pick our heads up and look at the the landscape scale discussion and um i think that you're right on the money and i you know we've actually we've had we were talking with the uh director of the national hurricane center yeah uh, ken ken graham ken graham that's right and interview great interview uh back from was that back? Was that back in 2018? I don't remember, but it was a little while ago. And in that interview, he was saying, "Hey, listen, I can do the best science in the world, and I can make these really fancy maps, but if the if the people don't know how to use them, what good is it?" So he's br- he's bringing on sociologists and communications people to to help in this effort. And I think in in yeah. many respects, what you're doing is being that communications. Uh, apparatus for the science that's going on.
2: Yeah, that's certainly the goal I think is really to arm everybody with the knowledge, with the questions to ask so that they can make better informed decisions, to see the beauty of our planet, to see what we will lose if we don't change what we're doing to see what we have, to appreciate what we have, to not lose sight that there still are amazing places on our planet, you know? I think we we do lose that a lot because we only hear the negative. And, you know, I've been to incredible places and I'm sure I'll go to many, many more in the near future. And I've seen amazing animals and I feel very privileged that I'm the vehicle by which I get to tell these stories. Totally, And not everybody wants to be out there, you know, but everybody wants to know what's out there. I think that that's just like a human, like something that's in us, innately in us, is to know what sort of lies around the corner, whether or not you're going to be the one that's going to peer your head around or not, is another story. I happen to be like, I happen to like to be you the one put, that put, does put that in.
1: yeah you cover. know
2: and um the fact that I get to do that and then come back and tell the stories and share that with people is almost just as fun sounds as, superb <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> it's just to me sharing the story is just as important as going to that place because I love when I'm in a room of kids and I'm telling a story about something and like their eyes light up and they have all these amazing questions and I get to you know look at it from their perspective and tell them other stories that I may not have thought were important but their questions just are like open my eyes to other things I should be looking at when I'm in Mm. places.
0: You know I think your point about trying to be responsive to despair or the sense of futility or that this is so overwhelming there's nothing we can do and how dangerous that is as an attitude was certainly a point of view that I've heard a lot here at the International Ocean Film Festival from a lot of people who are producing content with this sense of, uh, you know, resignation to the disaster is incredibly uh, threatening to constructive action. And uh, it's just clear when you're in this community of people, there is a whole lot of focus on Look, we can respond to this. There are reasons to be helpful. There are things we can do. It sounds like that's what you're really no, trying to No, Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I think that, you know, we can't fall into this sort of like pit of despair. You know, we really have to, you know, look at the positives and we also have to just understand that it's beautiful and that we have to have hope. We have to know that what we do on a daily basis can make a difference whether or not it's stopping doing something to have a positive impact or, you know, doing something completely new. But every choice that we make should think about our impact on the planet. And I don't mean to be like, Oh no, you have to like be like so serious about everything, but you make little changes and then slowly little changes become more changes and more changes, then you realize that, you know, it just becomes a lifestyle and it's not a struggle. It's not any sacrifice. It really doesn't have to be a sacrifice. It just has to be an awareness.
0: Awareness is big. And there's so many, you know, we got into this problem by tiny little bit of incremental steps contributed by billions of people on the planet. We all played a very small part. And the unraveling of this problem is going to require our participation, I think, as well. Like I know when Individually, cause global warming. We are not capable of that, nor are we individually capable of solving it. But the collective contribution of different behavior is powerful. There's no question.
2: No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think that's why uh, whenever we get gather, you know, whether or not it's at ASPPA, when we get all the people together, uh, the the energy of this film festival, in particular. Yeah, um, Getting all of this energy together, I, f- I find to be extremely um, motivational and inspiring. And I, my question for you is you're an adventurer and I'm sure you have another film planned. And I'm curious to know what you're going to do with this ins- with inspiration for going forward. What are you working on?
2: I'm working on a number of different projects right now, um, and they're all really exciting. Unfortunately, I can't divert. (laughs) They're top secret. I can't. They're a little bit top secret right now. You'll have
0: to come back on and let us know when you can.
2: Um, But some of them involve fishing. I'm very active in the fishing community, and I think that that's an audience that needs to, you know, that is engaged already and loving the ocean. They just love it from a consumer standpoint. But they, so a lot of the work that I do involves recreational fishing um, and I think it's just an mm-hmm. audience that we really, you know, needs to be engaged in the conservation talks more than they are.
1: Absolutely. We yeah. talk about this all the time. We have a fishing 100%, show.
0: Yeah, 100% true. I think you're, you're quite right. Uh, and it it is getting people out of their, uh, their narrow point of view uh, as either a commercial fisherman or as a real estate investor or as a, Uh, maritime industry person uh, getting them to think about the broader picture and to be reminded of what's inspiring about the space that we all try to work in is the key I think is you're right on in doing that
2: yeah no absolutely you know somebody can't ask a question that they don't know to ask right so it's about just creating the knowledge and the awareness to be able to ask questions to make informed decisions
0: well, uh, we want to thank Galen for dropping by. I know you've been. Uh, you've, she's a New Yorker, you guys, so she's out here on the West Coast, uh, Long Island, I understand. Um, and an active fisherman on your own, you know, real ocean lover and filmmaker, uh, and the, I guess, the uh, f- director, producer, writer, tour. Uh, <laughs> is that what that's called? I think that in the film world we
1: call that an auteur. <laughs> an someone auteur, that goes out and does it all.
0: Uh, Corals, a glimmer of hope, an absolutely essential message, and one of the best films I've seen at the uh, at the film festivals. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you.